well, what tends to happen is when you create more laws, what happens is government becomes stronger. It, it, it increases its hold on people's lives. And every law that is imposed on the people limits liberty. Podcast Junkies, episode number 28. Okay, we're having a really nice collection of guests on the show. Last week we had... Elon and Guy Ferdman from Satori Prime, and <laughs> that was a, a lot of fun to record, so I highly recommend you check that out. We cover a wide variety of topics on there. Uh, let's just leave it at that. So this week's uh, uh, conversation is no less interesting. Um, Jason Stapleton is the founder and host of the Jason Stapleton Program. It's a top-ranked show on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. And he's also an entrepreneur, speaker, investor. He's a professional trader. He's got over a decade of experience in the markets. And his focus right now is on building his program, which covers uh, the day's top headlines from a different angle. Um, he's got a passion for not only the markets, but he, he gives you an in-depth analysis in terms of how his view is on um, free market economics. So I I really feel you're going to have an opinion either way about the things that Jason talks about. One of the reasons I wanted to have him on the show is, first of all, he's a podcaster. Uh, and secondly, I, I think uh, I, I like to provide forums for people to voice their opinions and allow my audience to be the uh, the judge on whether or not the information they're providing is valuable or not. So I, I tend to keep a lot of my opinions out of this conversation because I don't think this is the right forum for that. I think what my responsibility here as a host is to get feedback on the ideas that my guests have, allow them to um, articulate them in, in a way that's intelligent um, and, and thought provoking and allow you to make your own decisions. Now, occasionally I will jump in where it's something that uh, I wholeheartedly agree with, but just to disagree for the sake of disagreeing, um, I don't think makes a lot of sense at all. So that's my view on it, and it's evolving um, over time. And I'm always willing to look at various sides of a of a, of a discussion um, to see if there's merit uh, into something that I haven't looked at before. So um, enjoy the conversation. I welcome any and all feedback, as always, in the comments section, podcastjunkies.com/slash twenty eight. And without further ado, Jason uh, Stapleton. So, Jason, thanks for coming on Podcast Junkies. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, to you too. <laughs> we are one day away, so this will probably come out uh, in the next week or so, and that will will be probably a couple pounds heavier at that point. <laughs> uh, if we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you? Um, what do you what do you think about when you think about Thanksgiving? Like a lot of people, it, it's so funny because you see like Twitter and Facebook, all these updates, and people are like, I dread it. Like meeting the, you know, go and hang out with the family, the in laws, and for some people, it's just like the worst, probably the worst holiday for them out of the, the whole year. You know, it, it's funny that you asked that because last uh, last year, my my family does it up big. We'll have. Yeah, the family will come home and the kids will come back from college or, or you know, like me, I'm older, but uh, we'll bring my kids over and we'll all get together at my aunt's house and there'll be 15 different pies and there'll be turkey and stuffing and, and everything. And we'll gorge ourselves for three days. 
Um, but I came, we, I, I now, since I'm married, we go and visit my wife and, and last year they don't, they don't blow it up the way we do it at our house. And so they actually said, ah, we think we'll, we don't know if we're really going to do Thanksgiving this year. Maybe we'll just have some fish. And I was like, it was like sacrilege. I was like, you're going to, what? <laughs> yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be out of your mind. And so I, but then I felt really bad because it's like, I don't, I don't fix anything. I just eat. You just eat so yeah. I said, well, I don't, I don't want to, uh, no, I don't want to put anybody out. I'm happy to eat fish, but I was just, I, I that was, that's a foreign concept to me that, that somehow we're going to, we're going to have fish for Thanksgiving. Uh, but I love it. I really like the holiday. It's, it's one of my favorites because I, uh, I like family and I spent a lot of time away from family over the course of my life. So it's, uh, it's nice to have that, that community. So you ended up, ha- you ended up having a fish Thanksgiving? No, no. <laughs> Actually, they actually got a little turkey and they made me, they made me turkey and stuff. Okay. That was nice. <laughs> I felt bad about it. But it have was, you ever, it was have, still you, good. have you ever tried to cook a whole turkey? We, no, the only, the, the closest I came was watching, uh, a family member deep fat fry a turkey one year, uh, which was, he did it right. He obviously knew what he was doing. He was 50% hillbilly. So, um, <laughs> he knew what he was up to. We, we did it in the, in the front yard. And uh, and he set it all up, and it was delicious. I mean, deep fat fried turkey is awesome. I think every year there's like YouTube videos of like people who attempted that, and then it went horribly wrong. It's like the oh, most yeah. dangerous oh, yeah. dangerous thing you can try. It's like crazy, like flammable, and like that <laughs> yeah. much oil, heated oil, is probably not a good idea. No, it, it, nothing about it's a good idea. It's funny because you see the contraptions that they build, and it's it looks like somebody in a trailer park put the thing together because it's a, a rickety you know pr- thing hooked up to propane, and and then you set this big iron pot on top of it and fill it full of uh, <laughs> fill it full of oil, and then you heat it up till it's boiling, and it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen. But boy, is it good. Yeah, I think uh, the closest I came to it was when they did it at my at my job. I used to have a I used to work in Atlanta, so obviously, you know, <laughs> right? They did like a holiday thing for the employees, and I think someone was attempting it like in the back somewhere. And I stayed far away, but it, it did taste good. Yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's the best. That's a it's a great holiday. So it's funny because you talk about like people being picky, and you know, every if, if you grow up a typical traditional Thanksgiving, you think okay, it's got to be turkey. But then my wife is Colombian, so the whole concept of like Thanksgiving is just like ah, uh, you know, I, was, I don't know, you know, she got it over a period of years, and you know, you kind of explained the whole idea. It's an, it's a time to give thanks and just get together with family and stuff like that. So it's 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 always fun to see people who are not from this country, like like oh, what's what? How's that work? And what's going on with that? Like that, that whole holiday. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, everybody can get behind it. It's, yeah. it's, we're going to get together. We're going to eat a lot of food. We're going to spend some time together with family. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got some Colombian friends, too, and they yeah. definitely know about family, you know, and, yeah. and, and doing that thing. So they, they get it. It's, it's something everybody can get behind. The the last point on that was like we have friends that are vegetarians, vegans actually. So <laughs> we were like, hey, should we get together with them? Like, what are we going to eat? Like, what would we bring? Like uh, bread, like just the cranberry sauce or just the stuffing or I don't know. So. Yeah, like fondue turkey or something. It doesn't. <laughs> tofu, nah, that doesn't tofu, work. Tofu, tofu, yeah, you go. Tofu, tofu, yeah. tofu turkey. So, um, so you've been doing the the podcast now, right? For how how long has it been? When when has it started? Well, I, I actually built our studio out in February of this okay. year, and I ran several test episodes of it. 
to find out if it would actually work and to see what the interest would be in it. Cause it's, it's a different concept uh, of what I, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to talk about. And, um, and once we did about seven episodes and I thought, yeah, I can, you know what, I can, I can make this work, but I need some more stuff. I need to spend some more money first. So I, I hiatus the show just long enough that I could get the team in place and get the equipment purchased to do everything because we're, we're actually shooting live. Uh, we shoot a three camera video shoot in addition to the audio that we shoot and the audio that we record as well. And so there's a, it's a, it's a, a big production. I guess it's a, it's a semi big production and I needed more equipment in order to do the switching. And we actually run commercials just like a regular show would. And so I needed to be able to roll the commercials. And since it's a video show, I needed video commercials and all this stuff had to get laid out. And so, um, we, we, Picked the show back up about two months ago, and we've been running. It's a five day a week show, and you know feedback's been really good. We 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 are you know the downloads are we're 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 getting about eighty thousand people a month listening nice. to the show. That's as of as of currently. That's projected for this month um, because we've only been going you know two months. But it's uh, and we're we're getting a lot of good feedback. We're starting to get that interaction that you expect to have, and and uh, and I'm I'm enjoying it. One of the things my my business partner for my regular business uh, asked me. He's like, I mean, how's it going? Do you do you still want to do it? Because you know, five day a week show, and I actually it's a passion. It's something I enjoy doing. So I'm I'm really excited. I I, I like going in every day and and talking about you know economics and politics and stuff like that. Yeah, I've seen some of the the YouTube videos. You've got a really impressive get uh, setup there, and I think you got three three monitors going. Is that right? Yeah, well, I've got two on my desk. I've got a big TV that's a touchscreen TV that's like what you have on what what news studios have, where you can like draw circles and and make stuff bigger and smaller. It's it's actually, I mean, it's all it's all overkill. Yeah. But we wanted to do it right. I wanted the ability to do literally anything. I've got a little living room set up so we can have uh, eventually what we'll get to is where we'll have guests in 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 the studio where yeah. we'll sit down and talk with them and have one on one conversations with them. And I wanted the ability to do all of that stuff uh, right from the get go. And so but yeah, I appreciate that. We <laughs> spent a lot of money to make it look that good. So it's it's now called the Jason Stapleton show, right? The Jason Stapleton program, program yeah, it was originally right. called the live show and because it was done live, it was yeah, a really catchy name. Um, but it was fairly generic. And as I, as I started to look at the show, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I don't try and reinvent the wheel. I just emulate success. That's what I've always done. And it's, it's always done well for me. So I don't, you know, when I got ready to start my, my, when I started trading currencies years ago, I didn't try and figure out my own strategy and try and make something up. I went and found somebody who had something that was working and I used that. And then when I started my business, I looked at what everybody else in the industry that was doing and what I thought they were doing successfully. And I emulated that and I tried to get rid of the stuff that they weren't doing well. And, um, and now as I move into podcasting or video podcasting, you know, my show is not an interview show. So I, I talk about stuff and I yeah. give my opinion. It's very much like a radio program. Uh, and so I try and emulate those people who are most successful at that and just kind of deliver my own personal angle on it. Um, one of the things that I, I try and do is I, I really understand having worked in in the currency markets and international uh, international monetary stuff for years. I really understand economics and better than most people, and certainly better than most of the the folks that you hear talk about it on the radio or on television. And uh, save a few, 
And so what I wanted to do is kind of bring that to current events and talk about what's happening in the world and, and be able to explain why things are happening and what's going to happen because of this and what they can watch out for and, and making doing some predictive analysis of what's going to happen in the world. And some of it's fun and some of it's, you know, some of it's edgy, you know, it's, it's, you've got to keep people interested, but the, for the most part, I, I try and just be real about what I believe in. And I have, I have a very simple philosophy. I say, you know, I have two rules. Don't hurt people and don't steal from your neighbor. Yeah. Those, those are the two things that I, uh, that I say. And I say, if we can all agree on that, then we've got a, you know, kind of a staging point where we can grow and, and, and we don't have to agree on everything, but I think we can all agree on those two things. And so I try and find some common ground with everybody on that and then attempt to kind of challenge people's belief system based around those two concepts. Because if you believe those two things, then that kind of change, if you really believe those two things, well, it really has to, it will challenge a lot of your belief systems about what, you know, what we should be doing as, as a people and as individuals and as and our elected officials and a lot of that stuff. So um, I, and I find it fascinating. I really enjoy it. And, and I'm, I, I don't mind having the debate. I don't, I don't mind bringing somebody in who, who thinks differently than me and, and wants to challenge me on my belief system because I, uh, I think it makes all of us better. Yeah, that's an important point. And it's, uh, I guess, for the listener, maybe just give a quick overview of what the show is about and what you cover just so they have some context. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe I'm, I'm, a, I'm a free markets guy. So I, I believe that um, the world runs best when people are allowed to pursue their own self-interest and when government is limited. Uh, and what that makes me is it doesn't make me a conservative and it doesn't make me a progressive. It makes me somewhere in between because I hold some really strange some what will be considered contradictory beliefs in most people's minds. So yeah. for example, um I believe that you ought to be able to do pretty much whatever you want to do as long as you don't hurt somebody else or or put them in a position where they can't do the same thing. So if you want to smoke pot and and you know or shoot cr- or smoke crack or whatever you want to do, that's your business. Um I don't I don't care. Uh, but you don't get to go out and you don't get to get in a car or you don't get to go rob a convenience store or anything like that. And so I'm very socially progressive, if that's the term that you want to use. While at the same time, I believe that the government has a very limited role and that it doesn't have the right to confiscate your money um, for the purpose of re- what we would consider redistribution. So um, things like uh, Medicare and Medicaid, which are two really big ones. Right. Well, those are direct wealth transfers. You tax someone else in order to pay for someone else's health insurance um, or Obamacare is kind of works the same way. And so I don't believe it's right to steal. And it doesn't matter whether you do it f- directly from your neighbor or from the guy down the street or whether you elect government officials to do it for you. Um, it's still theft. And so because I'm because of my belief system, I don't I don't think that's right. And number two, I don't think that the that it works well to do things that way. I don't think that it advances society. I don't think that it allows for the greatest amount of wealth for the most amount of people and the most amount of opportunity for the most amount of people. And so what I do on the show every day is I try and take current events and say, okay, here's what's happening in the world. Here's why this is a really good thing. And here's why, or here's why it's a very bad thing. And here's historically what's happened when these type, when people make these kinds of decisions, and here's what we can expect the outcome to be. And I try and educate as much as anything else so that people who 
who are along the line, same lines of thinking as me have ammunition with which to defend their positions. And also for people who maybe don't agree with me, that they at least get some exposure to it. And, and like I said, I don't ask for you to agree with everything that I say. In fact, I'm happy to be challenged on it. Um, I just say, let's, let's agree on two things that we're not going to hurt each other and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to take each other's stuff. And um, that, like I said, that lays a foundation that says, you know, we're, we're not, it's what I try to keep from happening is what happens with most political or economic discussions, which is you've got, you're either on my side or you're a terrible person. Um, and and that happens with both sides of the aisle. I don't want that to happen. What I want is I want to have a a really thorough conversation on the issues. Um, because I think, I think I'll win is flat out. What I believe is that I, I think that, I think that in the arena of ideas, um, we can defend our, what we believe. And if if I can't, then I I have to modify my belief system. So anyway, that's that's basically what the show is in a nutshell. Yeah. So it's it's funny because um, this is the first. I think you're the first guest that has a show that has a, a topic like politics or something that you would consider like charged. Um, and I, I guess it's appropriate that it, we're doing it around the Thanksgiving time because that's those are the, the, the topics that they tell you not to bring up at the table, <laughs> yeah. right? They're no like, just a, no yeah, no religion, no politics, and we'll have a great time, you know, and, and we'll get through this other stuff. But I think, um, you know, you bring up a, a, a good point. It's the idea of being uh, disagreeing without being disagreeable, you know, agree without being disagreeable, I think that is, is the phrase. Well, here's the thing. Most people, and we're not talking about radical folks, and I, the term radical is is kind of a misnomer. But if assuming that you do truly don't, you do truly want to, you know, be a benefit to people, and and you want to, and you have a heart for people, and you care about people, you want what's best for them. You agree with those two principles that I talked about. We all really want the same thing. You know, we want the ability to live our lives. We want to be able to make as much money as we possibly can. We want to be able to be as free as we possibly can to pursue what interests us or what we believe in, uh, free from anybody else telling us what to do. Uh, We just have different ideas about how we get there. Uh, You know, my my position would be I think that the best thing you can do is, is limit government. So, for example, everybody talks about there's too much money in politics, right? Well, what progressives would believe is that what we need is more laws to prevent people from putting money into government. And, um, well, what tends to happen is when you create more laws, what happens is government becomes stronger. It, it, it increases its hold on people's lives. And every law that is imposed on the people limits liberty. So what I say to people is, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we just make government smaller? Because if government is less able to affect your life and to affect the lives of your friends and neighbors, then there'll be less money that will flow to politics because government won't have any influence. And people say, well, and then there's all, then the conversation goes from there. So we take what is essentially the same belief system, which is we need to get money out of politics. And we say, well, how do we go about doing that? What's the most effective way to do that? And there's nothing wrong with having the conversation because I think if both people are coming to it uh, from a position of really wanting to solve the problem, then we'll come up with the best answer. Yeah. I think what's important, and this I, this is a, just a direct message to the listener too, because a lot of times, 
you think you know someone by virtue of the, you know, the comments that you made. I'm sure things that you're saying on the show, people are not going to disagree with, are not going to agree with. And they may, they might be tempted to say, oh man, I, this guy, Jason's gone, going down a path that I don't, I don't want to hear about. I'm just going to turn off the show and I don't want to, I don't want to hear anything else he's got to say. So they almost discount everything else that's going to come out of your mouth. And I think that's being short-sighted because you have to learn how to have conversations with people that you don't disagree, that you don't agree with. If you live your life in a vacuum and you're only surrounded by people that have your set of beliefs, you're never going to be um, exposed to things that you know might give you an awareness of, of, of something that's happening outside outside your sphere. And I think that's why it's really, really an important idea for folks to wrap their head around, like get into the, you know, listen to shows that you, of, of people that you, you wouldn't normally listen to, have conversations that you, you might consider tough or, or what you might consider would be a debate. I mean, everyone in their family, I mean, it has people that are, probably are on different sides of the aisle, myself included. So it's always interesting when I have conversations, even with my own family members on these sorts of topics, I tend to come at it from a perspective of like, what what is the best thing or what is the mission that we're all trying to achieve? And a lot of times we find that we're like, you know, we're trying to get to the same place. We just, like you said, disagree with uh, how we're going to get there. Well, I think it's an important point that you make about um, about people being able to communicate and have discussions because we live in in an in a world now, and it's a world that's only come about over about the last ten years, where Twitter, 140 characters, Facebook, we don't have conversations and discussions about ideas anymore. What we have are shouting matches yeah. and, and people posting quotes and and videos and and quick little bashes or digs on Twitter and Facebook and, and the, the social media sphere. Uh, one of the things that I was, I was having a conversation with one of the, one of my employees, Darren, who runs basically the, he's the producer of the show. He runs the, the video switcher and everything. And he said, I was introducing him to Milton Friedman and he'd never heard of Milton before. And Milton is a, was a phenomenal economist in, in the 1940s through the 19, basically through uh, early two thousands. He died, I believe in early two thousands. And um, he had a, a show that he put out on television called Free to Choose. And at the end of that, he brought in people from opposing views to debate what he discussed on the show. And it was – they're some of the best debates because they're done in a spirit of, uh, of, uh, of communication. Yeah. And one of the unfortunate things about today is that we don't have anything like that. And, and Darren was saying, man, why don't we have stuff like this anymore? Where is this – you know, general discussion about ideas that seems to be gone from society today. And unfortunately, he's right. People get their their media in in little clips by scrolling through with their thumb on their on their phone. Uh, but, you know, to give you a great example, John Maynard Keynes was the is the kind of like the godfather of modern day economics. And I don't expect your listeners to know him or care about him, but I disagree almost entirely with everything he discusses in terms of his economic belief system. However, this is, this is in my bag right now. It's, it's his fundamental work, the general theory of employment, interest, and money. Again, mm -hmm. nothing that light. any normal person would want to read. <laughs> right? Light reading, right? Right. No, it's extremely <laughs> light reading. Uh, but the important thing is, is I disagree with everything this man talks about or virtually everything. There are a few things we agree on, but I read his book because it's important that I understand where he's coming from. And, and if I'm going to disagree with it, I better understand how and why. And so you have to come to these discussions with an open mind. And although if you go to the show, you may find that I'm quite opinionated 
And you may find me to be extremely close-minded. I hope that your listeners now getting a chance to talk to me before they maybe go over to the show, uh, that they will that they'll understand that while that I'm a very opinionated and I'm trying to I'm trying to push my belief system, um, I come to it with a spirit of of open debate. I'm, I'm anxious for the opportunity to be able to discuss it with people who who don't agree. I think what's an interesting takeaway is the fact that you felt like this is something, a, a calling to do this, you know, to, to talk about your beliefs. And um, you chose the podcast as the format. And, and one of the takeaways from there is to, you know, if, if you disagree with Jason, then start your own show, right? <laughs> yeah. No, talk, would... talk about something that, that you know, maybe is, is a completely opposing view. No, absolutely. And you know what, you'd, you'd get me to listen and you'd probably get me to to call in and, and offer to have a debate with you. Uh, because I'm, I, I mean, I would love to have that someone, someone who is radically opposed to my specific ideology, uh, that we could sit down and, and have a civil conversation as to where both of us are coming from. And, uh, you know, it, I, I would, I would really thoroughly enjoy something like that. But the great thing about podcasting for people who are listening to it or trying to get into it or who are interested in it is that it provides you, it wasn't that many years ago, you know, I have a big studio and I've, I've got them, I've got money to put this stuff together, but it, you know, our studio ran close to a hundred thousand dollars to create, um, just a mere 10 to 15 years ago, that would have been close to a million dollars. You know, so the costs have come down and you have the ability with this media. It used to be that in order to get your your word, to get your ideas out, your concepts out, to speak on your message, whatever that message may be, you had to pay a lot of money. You had to go work your way up in radio and get your stuff on the air. Not anymore. I mean, there are people I got. I mean, pretty soon we're going to be beating MSNBC's numbers on their television program from my little podcast running out of my studio in Lenexa. It's it's not going to be that long before that happens, and anybody has the ability to do that if if they can create an entertaining and, and inspiring message. Yeah, I think all that stuff is extremely disruptive. I mean, we're seeing it with uh, the, the folks who are self publishing and, and putting up books on Amazon now, and I think you know a lot of people are, are making the comparison with how podcast is just becoming more popular. Even you know, not just with with shows we're talking about politics, but even you know, everyone's raving about this new serial podcast, which is like a a record of um this this crime that had happened and, and it's, it's like the hottest thing right now and then Isn't it like, it's it's like an old school radio yeah. show that they used to that everybody used to sit around yeah. the radio before television right that's totally what I, it is I, yeah. you know you, it's talk about coming full circle i haven't listened to it yet but i'm, I'm gonna have to because right. i i love those old things yeah it's almost that that old timey feel of like sitting around the radio and uh you know war, some more of the war of the worlds type thing yeah so well no we talk about, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but we, you know, you talk about one of my belief systems, not to wrap it back around to my belief system, but (laughs) one of my belief systems is, is that, uh, laws and regulation create barriers for entry. And what we see is with podcasting, with the internet, with, with the ability self-publishing books, all that type of stuff is barriers are coming down. There's no regulation on self-publishing your own book. And Amazon will take it. All you got to do is write it. It can be the worst book ever written. And Amazon will make it available to millions and millions and millions of people. Same thing for your podcast. You could have the worst show on earth. And trust me, I've listened to plenty of them. Um, and, uh, and you can be out there. 
and some niche group, you could be in, engaged in underwater basket weaving. And there might be only 10,000 people in the whole wide world who even know what underwater basket weaving is. And if you've got the show, you'll got the audience and you don't have to convince anybody in a position of power that it's a worthwhile show. You just create it. It's, it's incredible. And that, um, that only comes through individual liberty, the pursuit of your own self-interest and, and, and uh, an elimination of the barriers to entry that are created in order to protect people who are already in the top or on top. So just out of my own personal curiosity, what's your take on net neutrality? I am, I, I am totally 100% against net neutrality. Yeah. Um, yeah, just so that your audience understands what net neutrality is, it, what the, what it's being positioned as and what it really is are two very different things. Um, you see, when a, when a company spends its own money, drags its own lines out, creates its own infrastructure, it has a right to charge whatever it wants to. And what they're doing is, is they're going out and they're charging companies who use up a lot of bandwidth on their networks more money to be able to deliver that content. And what they're trying to step in and the government is trying to step in and do is say, no, 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 you have to treat all information coming through your lines equally. Now, this has a very damaging effect that people do not realize. Number one is that it requires regulation. In order for them to ensure that that actually happens, they have to create a bureaucracy, which means they then have to tax it. Yeah. They either tax it directly or what comes out is, is they actually require the uh, the the I'm sorry, the network itself to pay a fee in order to be regulated. Um, but the the beautiful thing about it is, is you take Netflix, for example, everybody loves Netflix. I love Netflix, right? Well, Netflix uses up a massive amount of bandwidth because lots of people like Netflix, right? Well, the 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 network itself, Time Warner or Cox or whoever comes back to 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 them and says, look, guys, you guys are eating up a massive amount of our available bandwidth and, you know, it slows down networks. We're going to need to increase our infrastructure. And so if you're going to use our network and you're going to have that many people sucking up bandwidth, we're going to have to charge you more because if we don't, everybody's costs are going to have to go up in order for us to build this out. So the only people who are harmed, and it's not even really harmed, but the only people who are hurt uh, or who incur a loss are Netflix, who has to pay more, which means they have to raise their price, which anybody who wants to get Netflix now has to pay a little bit more. Now, they can choose to pay more or not pay more. It's up to them. They can either cancel their Netflix subscription or they can decide that, yes, the added cost is still worth getting my Netflix subscription. But it's the individual who gets to make those decisions. No government makes that decision. Yeah. And so net neutrality will cause um, – what it's going to do is just make things more expensive because like in most cases, the, you you have a limited – I don't want to get into supply and demand because it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to discuss that on your show. <laughs> but the reality of the situation is this. Um, scarcity exists. Scarcity exists with internet. Scarcity exists with healthcare. Scarcity exists with corn or wheat or gold. There's a limited supply. And the fact that more people want it than there is supply creates scarcity. And there are a variety of ways that we can deal with that scarcity issue. The best way that has ever been found to deal with scarcity is through pricing, is to allow prices to rise when things become more scarce and allow prices to decline when, people, when things are less scarce. And anytime you start messing with that system, it's not that you can't 
is still maintain a system. It's just not going to be as effective a system as the pricing model. So um, that's probably way too much. <laughs> everybody just, I'm sorry, man. Everybody just stop listening to your podcast right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I think um, I'd like to think that my listeners are, you know, are intelligent enough to want to get the whole picture um, and not just take phrases. Like I said, like I mentioned and alluded to earlier, like take things that they may disagree wholeheartedly with you. They may be on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to net neutrality, for example, but just, you know, through the course of this discussion to understand like who you are and, and, and it would lead to my, my next question. Where do you think like your thoughts about the, um, your beliefs and, and the ones you espouse in the show, like where do they originate from? If you, if you had to, to point to a certain, you know, can you point to a certain time and place um, where, where those ideas started to, to germinate? You know, I was, I, I was in the military, um, and for, for many, for many years and for a few years in the, in the Marines and in the Marines, you, um, you give up your rights when you join the military. I don't know if people realize this or not, but, um, you don't have any rights. The government, you basically sign a contract that says the government now owns you and the government can do with you what they, what they please. So they can send you to go fight. They can tell you to stay here. If you don't do it, they'll put you in prison. Uh, and so you give up all of your personal liberty to join the military and defend other people's liberty. And I had a very staunch view at what would be considered a hardline right winger view of the world, which was defending freedom, you know, guns, fireworks, you know, uh, flag, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that kind of thing. Charles yeah. Heston. That's right. You know, <laughs> from my cold dead hand. And uh, that was kind of my belief system. And, and I, I was in the war. And I, I thought that we were doing the right thing. And after I got done with my military career, I went into private contracting work because the work I did in the government or for the military was highly specialized in counterterrorism. And so I was I made for a very good contract employee for the State Department doing security work for them. And I started to realize that those the, what i what i thought about the world the way things were supposed to work that they really didn't work that way um that we weren't there defending liberty we weren't there defending freedom and that 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 wasn't what this was about in fact that we were we were part of something that really didn't have an end game that there was no real clear concept of what we were doing and i read a book i so i'm on the i'm on the fence here and i'm like well, I, st I still believe in, in freedom. I still believe that, you know, that I, I'm, I'm not going to be subject to a government. I'm not going to be a slave to any man that I, I'm I have the right to be a free. But at the same time, this, uh, I guess, this neoconservative, hard right winger belief system started to fade. And I ended up reading a book by Ron Paul called The Revolution, a manifesto. Ron Paul is I guess one of the golden children of uh, modern day libertarianism. And he, he started writing in that book about individual liberty and, and about, uh, you know, the freedom, not just in some areas of your life, but in all areas of your life. And this concept that we don't hurt people and we don't take their stuff. And that means we don't get our government to do those things for us. And I started to realize, man, this is everything that I agree with. This is everything in my mind that I wanted to be able to express, but didn't know how to. And so then I started reading about, uh, you know, Mises and, and Locke and Adam Smith and, and all of these guys who were kind of founders, founding members of this belief system of free market competitive capitalism. And it, it over the course of many years, 
uh, and, and trial and error in, in being wrong, wrong in many respects to my belief system, uh, I, I've, I've come to where I am now. And I, I got to tell you, man, I really, I, I feel like what I, the belief system that I carry with me now is, is one of acceptance. Yeah. Uh, it's one that says, look, I want to accept you. I, I, I don't want to fight with you. I want you to be able to live your life. Um, just allow me to do the same thing. Yeah. And let's let's come together where it makes sense for us to come together, and let's not where it doesn't make sense. Did you come to that um, realization over time, where it was probably made more sense to try to not butt heads with people? You know, because a lot of times we get so fixed in our opinions and our views that we can only see that way, and, and we want to make sure that we we win the wrestling match, so to speak. You know, we- that's. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and that's the, uh, and that's the really big problem is that that's the way society wants to be. It's like, I am right. And I've got to prove that I'm right. Because if I give you any ground, then I'm admitting some, some kind of defeat. Yeah. And it it was, it's still hard for me today in, in certain respects to not get defensive about the belief system that I have. Uh, what I try and do is, is I try and defend it in what I call defending it in the arena of ideas is just say, look, let's 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 talk it through. Uh, if I can't come up with a good, you know, a good retort, then I have to concede defeat for the time being. And uh, but you're right. It is. It is. And what's even harder for me right now is finding someone who feels the same way, who's willing to have the discussion. Because I had a, I had a, one of the first things that I had on my show was a discussion about socialism, uh, and and the way socialism works. And I had a socialist who actually posted on my. YouTube page and who threatened to release a bunch of my personal information and basically do a data dump on me, tell people where I lived and what my bank account numbers were and all kinds of stuff like that. And I, 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 I could have gotten really angry with him and, and belligerent. And instead I invited him to come on the show. I said, you know, if you don't, if you don't agree with me, come talk with me. And yeah. instead what I've got was just a string of profanity. And I find that this is often the case. We're talking about Ferguson right now, a lot in the news. And um, while I think that the black community certainly may have a leg to stand on when it comes to violent crime and the way they're treated by police and the way they're viewed in society, uh, I don't believe that Michael Brown is the poster child that they should be using in order to, to, you know, to advance their cause. And so we're having a discussion about that. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm on their side. I just agree, disagree with the violence of it. And, uh, and I get people who just, they want to try and put you in a box that says, oh yeah. man, you must be this, you know, this racist bigoted person who, who doesn't, who doesn't understand what it's like to be black in America. And I submit to you that I do not, uh, that I am not black in America. Uh, but I certainly can tell that what they're trying to achieve will not be achieved through the methods that they're using through the violent, uh, the violent action. So, um, yeah, it's difficult to try and find someone who's really willing to have a civil debate about some of the most divisive issues that we face today. Yeah. Those topics, those topics are so emotionally charged. Um, you know, it, it's hard for folks to, um, keep calm and in in, especially when, you know, they're part of that class or they feel like it's a personal attack on them or right. they, or they feel like you're being completely insensitive to the situation or you're just reiterating talking points. You know, it's, it, it's, there's so many like minefields when you're, when you're walking, when you're walking over there. Yeah. And I'm not the best with tact. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will, I will submit that to, to your listeners that, that many, many times I, I'm not the most tactful person in the world. 
And uh, I, I, I'm, I will admit more than once I've been accused of being insensitive or, or just not understanding. Yeah. And there, there may be some truth to that. But I, I try and approach every issue from the same standpoint, which is just, you know, how it's, it's people say it's naive, but I don't think it is to say, how do, how do we get along? You know, how, how do we communicate with each other? How do we agree on certain things and, and disagree on others and still live in, in society together? And my personal belief is that the way you do that is by allowing people the most amount of freedom and liberty that they can possibly have. And then allowing them to make choices about who they're going to spend time with, who they're going to hire, who they're going to fire, uh, you know, what, what restaurants they're going to attend and, and those types of things. I'm, I don't smoke. But I disagree entirely with this idea that uh, a shop owner can't choose for himself whether or not someone can smoke there or not. You know, you're free to go to the restaurant or not go to the restaurant. You know, the shopkeeper should have the right if he wants to let people smoke in his shop to let them smoke in there. Uh, I won't go there. But if it's not financially beneficial for him to do that, then he won't. Mm-hmm. And those are the types of things that, you know, I'm a Christian. I, I, I don't believe in things like uh, in things like abortion. And um, and uh, and I don't believe, you know, morally, I'm, I'm against homosexuality. While at the same time, my my belief system says, look, if I want to be able to practice my faith and, and live the life that I want to live, I have to be able to let other people live their lives. Yeah. So if you want to get if you're gay, if you're homosexual and you want to get married, I don't care more power to you. You guys love each other. I love it, man. Go, we need more love in this world. So, (laughs) so go and do it. But you know, I'm, my, my faith tells I'm, I'm, I I cannot accept that morally. Uh, but that's a personal belief system of mine and I don't have the right to inject that on society. You see, this is what makes what I do so incredibly difficult because I'm going to offend everybody. Yeah. By the end of this thing, your <laughs> listeners are both going to agree with me fervently and disagree with me entirely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but my but there's there are no chinks in my armor in terms of my belief system. You have a right to be free. You have a right to live your life unimpeded by your neighbor and by government. And uh, and whether or not I agree with it morally or ethically or 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 what, you've got a right to do it. Yeah. Just like you have the right to take those views and and you know, create a whole show around them because you're so passionate about spreading that word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And as as long as they'll keep letting me talk about it, I will. (laughs) Well, that's the, that's, that's what I love. That's um, about what we're both doing. I mean, a year ago, neither one of us had a podcast. (laughs) Right, right. So it's like, and then in fact, you know, fast forward a year later and, you know, we're talking to each other now over Skype. And I think it's just, you know, the the, the core message, you know, if you can take a, a moment to like, uh, take away the the politically charged um, emotions, or you know how you feel emotionally, or uh, about the things you just said. I think the core message is to say, uh, you know, J- Jason has a a, a viewpoint, and he, it's obviously something that he feels passionate about, and he's taken that now and and taken that passion forward and said, you know, I, w- I want to start this show. I want to spread you know, my own individual gospel about the things that I believe in. And I, and I'm, and as you've already said, you, you do have followers, you have people who are interested in what you're saying and that's your community that you're building. And so you can take that, you know, even if you 180 degrees disagree with Jason, you can take that same message, same idea. Like I said to said earlier, start your show, start your own community. That's 
for me, what the beautiful thing is that we can all create this and we don't have to like wait to be called on like a Fox channel or an, or an MSNBC channel so we can give our, have our, you know, five minutes of, of fame so we can espouse our viewpoint or hope that some newspaper will pick us up. I think that's really the power of, of what's happening now. And I think it brings the uh, the debate out into the open. You know, I, I get this vision of like, um, you know, what the, the Greek philosophers would do, you know, debate in the open square. And, and it's almost like that's part of what's happening now. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I joked about underwater basket weaving, but you can take there are all kinds of little niche markets that people are passionate about that there isn't really an outlet for. And I've always I've always and it's it's kind of cliche to say it because everybody says, well, you know, you should do what you love and not worry about the money. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but the money does matter. Yeah. Um, I'm not building out my business. I'm, I'm not doing this podcast just strictly out of the love I have for talking about economics and politics. I want to make a lot of money um, talking about what I'm passionate about. But the beautiful thing about it is there are with the with the advent of the web, with podcasting, with with vidca- video casting, and, and all of the, this type of niche that we're involved with right now is that you can find even if the niche is small, even if it is just guys who like nineteen twenties model trains, right? There's little niches like that, but there's they're massive. In terms of there's, you know, 50,000, 100,000 people who are diehards for this yeah. thing. And you can communicate with them and you can rally them all up in one place and you can build that community. And, and that's the powerful, that's what's so powerful about this media that we're, that we're involved with. One of the best articles that I read a while ago, and I was actually reading it uh, yesterday, is the concept of a thousand true fans. And, you know, really, like, for any business to succeed, uh, they go deeper into detail than I'm describing here. But it's the concept is like, take that one fan who like, is the one that always responds to your tweets is always leaving a comment on your YouTube page is always, you know, if you've got a call in, he calls in or he or she calls in, and you develop um, an engagement with that person. If you sell products, they buy your products. And then you start building from you take it from that one person and then to 10 to 15. And, and, and then what they how they extrapolate that is let's say they have $100 in disposable income over the course of a year to spend and you take that across 100 you know 1000 true fans you end up with $100,000 you know and that's just an example but that's you know for for most people that's a pretty decent living and if you just focused on that instead of trying to uh, uh, appeal to a broad swath of people um your message to your point would be so much more laser focused and and you'll make those 1000 people happy that, and that, that's one of the biggest, you know, I, I, I own a, a very successful information marketing business. And one of the best pieces of advice I got early on was it just simply said, don't try and be all things to all people. Don't be yeah. worried about offending folks. If you never offend anybody, you know, you're, you're never going to find that niche of a thousand true fans, you know, because you're lukewarm. And nobody wants somebody who's lukewarm. They yeah. want somebody who's on fire for what they believe and who believe it passionately. And you need to find those other people who are like that because those are the guys who are going to build your business. They're the ones who are going to anchor your podcast forever. And, you know, they're the guys who will listen every single time, mm-hmm. no matter what, and who will comment and who will share it with their friends. Th- those are the people that you need to be attracting. And all these other semi, you know, semi lukewarm folks who aren't really into it or who get offended at the drop of a hat they're they're not your folks you need that group and you need to be passionate and you need to not worry about what people are going to think about you uh people used to i mean in the beginning 
of my business, I had a really hard time because people used to just say terrible things about you. Everything from that you you don't know how to talk to you're so wrong about your ideas. And, uh, and I used to, I couldn't look at them. I would become so depressed that I couldn't look at the YouTube comments on my little videos that I was doing every week trolls. because they, yeah, they just running me into the ground, little, the little trolls. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm, I've just, I've got rhino skin now. I'm, I'm just, a, I'm completely immune to it. You can say whatever you want to about me and it, it probably won't even, it won't even phase me, but that's uh that's part of it. You're, there's no doubt that you're going to offend people in whatever it is that you're doing. And the important thing is, is that you're staying true to whatever your message is. Well, I, I say that without trying to be too cliche. Yeah. I think everyone comes upon upon that point that you mentioned when you realize that the tro- it's not that the trolls are like attacking you personally although it, it probably appears that they are it's just that they have nothing else better to do and you just happen to be the flavor of the month that you know they found someone whose ideas they're in direct contrast with and they just decide they're just going to have at you well look at the most successful people who have branded themselves Ellen DeGeneres uh Bill Maher uh, Rush Limbaugh um, those are three very different people, right? Uh, from very different backgrounds, all of them extremely opinionated, all of them with the exception, Ellen doesn't offend people, but, uh, Ellen has, you know, her, you know, she is definitely, uh, my wife loves Ellen. Um, but, uh, advocating, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, homosexual rights and, and that type of stuff, which undoubtedly offends certain people. Uh, so all of them are are unabashedly who they are. Yeah. They don't shy away from it. They don't say, oh, I'm not, I, 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 I want us all to get along. He's, oh, they say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And I want to create a group of people who are just like me and uh, or who agree with the same things that I agree with. And I'm no different with what I do. It's just, you know, I, I, I'm passionate about what I believe in. Uh, I'm not going to move away from it. And I just want people to come and listen. Who... As you started to think about um, putting the show together, um, and the ideas were forming around creating a podcast, who were the some of, who were some of the folks that were inspiring you at the time? Um, other podcasters or other in, people? In I general? think in general, uh, okay. it didn't have to be podcasters. Everything that we have done has been based around what Glenn Beck is doing, uh, not because I agree a lot with what Glenn Beck believes. We agree on some things and disagree on others, but he has successfully built what I want to build, which is an online television network. Now, he came from Fox, and so he had a, a huge following behind that, but he's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year off a nine ninety five subscription hmm. uh, and advertising revenue. Uh, and he is what he's built is just really, really cool. He's changing the way radio and television is done. And so we looked really closely at that about how he had done it, his marketing strategies and, and how he employed, you know, the use of, of video and, and audio in order to create the, what is now the behemoth that he now has. So I, I looked very closely at him and, and what he did there. And, uh, I, if I had to give one person, he'd, he'd be the one because we really paid a lot of attention, not necessarily to his message, but to what he was building and, and, and the marketing behind it. Do you have a chalkboard? I, yes, <laughs> <laughs> we have several chalkboards and whiteboards. Um, yeah, you're, you and, have a chalkboard. And have you cried on your show yet? No, no, <laughs> I don't think I could cry if I tried. 
Yeah, I don't know how much of that is genuine or uh, for the cameras. I, I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> I, one of the things that I love, we used to watch Glenn Beck, um, and we watched because we're marketers. So I'm, I have an, an information marketing business. We we pay a lot of attention to the marketing because my business depends on it. Yeah. And when I first was starting my business, we rented this little two-bedroom apartment that we were operating out of. And every day at 4 o'clock, we would stop what we did so that we could watch Glenn Beck. And we didn't watch him because we were interested in in his point of view. We watched it for the commercial breaks Mm. because Glenn would talk about something and and he would just make it seem like the world was burning down around you, right? And you'd be like, I need to go back in the office and do a little bit more work. And then they get the commercial and Glenn would do something like, and if you think that's bad, just wait until we get back and I tell you what X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And then he cut immediately cut to the commercial break. And I remember thinking, curse you, Glenn Beck. <laughs> now I have to wait because I have to see, you know, and he was just, he's one of the best, one of the greatest marketers in our day. And he has absolutely gets no respect for it at all. Um, because people pay too much attention to, to his political, uh, and his political show, but the marketing behind it is just incredible. And you're right. It's extremely hard to tell what's real and what isn't, what's legitimate about his, his, his structure and what he's putting out there and what's designed to create the marketing environment that he wants. But I, I find him to be brilliant and I, I really enjoy watching his show. So whether you like him or not, if you're a marketer, you should be paying attention to what he does because he is one of the very best big, big names who employs a lot of the same strategies that you're going to use in your own business. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems like it's the concept of the, uh, the cliffhanger, right? That never goes out of style. No, you know, if you, if you, if you whether you read Dan Kennedy or you're, you're a student of Frank Kearns or Ryan Dice or any of these other big information marketers, every, even the current administration, president Obama, his team, Apple, they all use the same thing. They all use this, a variation of Jeff Walker's product launch. You know, they all use kind of the same principles in order to release product, in mm-hmm. order to circumvent the media, in order to boost their their ratings. And it's all doing about the same thing. And and once you once you learn those skill sets, there's an incredible amount of of uh, a profit to be made employing those strategies and it you know it's it's not dishonest it's just marketing yeah i haven't gotten i've got i've got so many books to read but uh jeff walker's is one of them How, did you finish that how was that i didn't actually read his book i okay. i bought his product launch formula years ago okay um i can tell you he the man is incredibly he really came up with something special and now he has wrote it until the wheels fall off i mean the man has been talking about product launch formula for you know, five or six years, every year he releases this product launch formula with some kind of little minuscule update to mm-hmm. it and he charges a beautiful premium price for it. Now he's got a book out talking about it and uh, he's he's absolutely got the distance out of that concept or that idea, <laughs> but it works. I mean, there's yeah. there's no denying that it works. It works phenomenally well. Yeah, you, you can't if you if you're you're in the same in the marketing circles, then there's no doubt that you eventually have heard his name. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, like I said, if you, a lot of people have this this problem that they wanna they wanna share their concept or their idea, but they don't feel right about off asking people for money, or they don't think it's you know I'm in the I'm in the trading space. I teach people how to trade currencies, 
And um, I charge a really high price for the products that I sell because I believe in them. I think then they do work and you can make an incredible living and, and change your life based on the principles and stuff that we teach. But here's the thing. I have a passion for teaching people. I love to do it. Um, I do it for free. Uh, I teach business stuff to people for free at, you know, in, in my local community. I have a heart for that. But if I didn't charge a fee for what I did, I would very quickly be stirring concrete or framing houses because I don't, you know, that, so it's, it's one of those things where, look, it's, it it doesn't matter whether you want to do it or not. You're going to starve. You'll never get to reach your audience if you're not willing to charge people for, you know, for premium, for your premium products. Yeah. You have to put a price on what it, you know, the, the, the knowledge that you've accumulated over the years and then the fact that you feel that what you're providing is of service to someone and you're not like trying to uh, steal people's money, you know, you're not, you're trying to pull a fast one on folks. I think if you come at, come at it from the mindset that you're providing value, that you have something to offer uh, people and by virtue of them buying your product and going through your system or reading your book or, or, or watching your videos, they're going to have more knowledge than they had when they started and they're going to not only have that knowledge, but be able to implement it in a way that makes going to make their lives better then there should be that that even that even exchange. Yeah, and what people don't understand is the real money is made in your business through repeat buyers. People who come back again and again who who buy over and over again, it's about 20% of the people who buy from you will be your repeat customers. And those guys are critical. Your business will not survive if you have to go out and find new buyers every single time you want to sell a product. And what what people what people on both sides don't realize the business owner and the consumer is that if you do not provide value, if you do not provide value, uh, it was the, the old saying, I can't remember who said it, but he said all, um, all every, every honest dollar earned is a byproduct of value creation. Meaning simply that if you don't create value, people will not come back to you. They will not buy from you again, which means your business will never survive because people don't typically buy the $10,000 product from you at first. They buy the $25 product. And if they like that, if they got value out of it, then they move up. They test the water. And if you don't, you know, even with something like Apple, I bought the iPod first before I bought the $3,500 laptop that I'm now recording this interview with you on. Uh, I dip my toe in the water. And so if you're not providing value, you, you're never going to survive. And, and you need to know what your value is. You need to know what the value of your information is or the value of your product so you can you can price it accordingly. One of the biggest things I see is people pricing their products too low. Yeah. You know, they, don't, they don't have any value for for what it is that they're selling. I was learning. I'm learning Photoshop because I, I like Photoshop. I like videography. And there's a guy, uh, great, awesome, awesome side if you're into Photoshop called Flurn. And Flurn is on YouTube, and he teaches you how to do all kinds of incredible stuff. And I wanted to learn more about it, so I went to his his website to try and buy some of his some of his stuff. And his stuff's like somewhere between twenty five dollars and a hundred dollars for his learn for his uh, for his tutorials. Yeah. And I'm like, the very first thing I thought was, man, this guy is terrible. He's a phenomenal Photoshop guy, terrible marketer. 
because that stuff, he ought to be charging three or $400 for those, especially after I got the content and saw what it was. I said, I would easily pay that. You got guys who buy, you know, $2,000 cameras and $1,000, $2,000 lenses to go on those $3,000 cameras in order to take photos that they then bring in into Photoshop in order to make beautiful so they can make a living or so that they can have, you know, fantastic photos forever. And you're telling me the guy won't pay more than $25 to learn how to do that? That's ridiculous. So if you're listening, uh, raise your prices. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're worth more than that. You're more valuable than that. And we're conditioned as consumers to see something that's cheap and associate it with being of cheap quality. Yes, that's exactly right. So. Yep. So you're, you're, you're looking at that. And, and I was actually looking for the really premium price stuff. Uh, because that's immediately where I want to go. I don't, I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I've got more money than sense with some things, but, um, I always like to go and get the, the, the good stuff. And it, that was what he had. So I just bought the one that he had and I'm like, man, this is fantastic. I'm going to buy some more of this stuff. Uh, but he was, like I said, don't to your listeners, the guys who have businesses, who have podcasts, uh, don't discount your own value. You're, yeah. you're, you're incredibly valuable. So, what do you, what's got you excited um, about what you've got? I mean, how far ahead do you plan in terms of the structure of your shows and, and the topics you're going to just, um, talk about? Um, do you have like a, a editorial calendar? Uh, actually, I, I, we look at the news of the day and I discuss the news of the day on the show. Now, we're, we're planning out the next couple of years uh, because I don't make those kind of capital investments without knowing really what I want to do with the show. And what we intend to do is create more of like a network where I want to bring on special guests and have special report stuff in addition to the show that will be available where we attack key issues, certain specific things dealing with either economics or what's happening politically. I am on Tuesday going to have, there's a really interesting guy who's, I'm, who's uh, against the the NSA program to confiscate all of your information mm -hmm. uh, and all of this stuff on your cell phone. It's, it's a violation of your fourth amendment, but they've had trouble getting Congress to repeal the act that allows them to do that. And so you've got this young congressman in the state of Utah who's shutting off, who's put a bill forward to shut off the water at one of these facilities where they house all this data. Right. So he's trying to do what he can do. He doesn't believe that it's constitutional to do what they're doing and he's fine. So I'm going to bring him on and I want him to explain to me why he's doing it and, 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 and what his principled stance is behind it. But I want to have even greater discussions more along the lines of what Milton Friedman did in, in the 1980s, which is to really bring people together of different ideas of different value systems and have them discuss key issues. And, um, I have a, I know where I want to go with it, and and I think it's it's going to be grand if I can if I can do half of what I want to do. And right now, are you is the way the show is syndicated? You know, obviously it's it's appearing on iTunes, and you've got the YouTube videos. Um, so, but you primarily record this as a video show, right? Yes, we do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Recorded as a video show. And have you thought of um, syndicating the content elsewhere outside of uh, iTunes? We do right now. We do iTunes, we do Stitcher, we do YouTube, and then you can get the stuff from the website as well. Uh, beyond that, we thought about streaming it over the just an, an audio version, doing an audio stream with mm -hmm. live. We've also thought about taking the content to a local radio station because we can pay. There's a pay to play 
with radio stations. I can just buy airtime once a week in order to build an audience that way as well. Uh, We haven't done any of that just simply because we're still working out the kinks that we've got right now. One of the things that I've tried to do is I I have advertisers on the show. Well, right now the show is small at 80,000 downloads. So you're not really making any money off advertising with that many. And so I've basically just opened up spots and said, Hey, I will advertise your products for free. If you'll just send me a commercial. And I've gone out to a bunch of different people and very few of them respond. I'm I'm really surprised. They're like, they got to be thinking, well, what's this guy's angle? You know, why is he asking for free advertising for my stuff? And uh, I thought that would be the easiest thing in the world. I'm like, I need nine minutes worth of commercials. I'll just send a bunch of people out. They'll send me back their 30-second spot, and I'll just put it together. And it has not been easy. Um, but we do intend to make we'll, – we'll probably set it up similar to the way other people have set it up, which is to create uh, both a, a paid version and a free version. So you can watch the paid version with – or the, the free version with all the commercials and stuff or you can go and, and spend a few bucks a month, uh, $3 or $5 a month, get ad-free viewing and, and also be able to get access to a bunch of other special content that we record. So that's all coming in, in the works, but it's, it's baby steps. When you when you're not making any money with it, and I've got you know, I'm making officially like $180 a month with the show, and I'm spending like $5,000 a month. So until those until we reverse that, yeah, uh, we've got to move slower. Yeah, because <laughs> I can't hire any more staff. Yeah, because at some point you have to start turning the ship around and uh, making making some money to, to to compensate for everything you've put in as as an investment to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, but you, yeah, and but you've got to give it time to work. That's that's another major reason I see entrepreneurs fail is that they their expectations while are fine, where they want to end up is fine, what they want to achieve is fine. Their timeline is wrong. They have improper expectations about the timeline. So if you're building something from scratch and you have no list and and you have you know no clear concept of monetization, although you kind of know what you want to do, the ultimate goal is to build the list. And so that's what we're doing. And in the course of the last two months, we've created a list of about uh, 450 people or so. And I'm very happy with that. I think yeah. that's those are active people who are engaged with us. And, uh, and and over the course of the next year or so, we ought to be able to turn that into 10,000 or 20,000 people. And when we do that, well, now we've got a real show. And so uh, if, if you're if anybody's listening is really interested in it, I would love to have you come listen. I, I would love if you're in disagreement with me to contact me and tell me uh, and and you'd be welcome on my show. I'd be happy to discuss it with you. Yeah, just don't do it from the shadows, you know. That's right. Yeah. Just, just have, have the moxie, have the, cons- the constitution of your character to actually come out and say, yeah, man, I'll come on your show. I'll discuss it with you. Um, yeah. A lot of times when, with these types of discussions, uh, folks are averse to, to, to getting into them because I think, um, you know, the, the, they're afraid, uh, you know, like you, you alluded to earlier, when you, you can have a debate with someone and they'll, they'll touch on a point that you don't have the exact answer to, or that you don't have a counterpoint to, because you don't feel like what you're about to say is backed up by enough, you know, facts. So you, you tend to retreat. And I think that's what they're worried about. They'll, they'll just be hit with so many facts that they won't be able to uh, have a, a logical response to them, that they just avoid the discussion altogether. But you don't necessarily need to have the answer in every discussion. You can just get to a point where you're just like, you make a good point. I'm not sure if um, you know I agree with you, but I don't have the facts to specifically back it up. So for now, we'll probably table that discussion. You know, just, just continue to be agreeable. 
Well, I think, yeah, I think the biggest problem is most people think that they're going to get railroaded if they go on a show like that or they're worried about getting, you know, hit from the side. I mean, I'm, I'm the one who's taking the real risk here because it's my show and I'm allowing you to do as much preparation as you want to for the topic that you want to discuss and then come on and, and hit me with it. And, and I, I will you know, I will typically go off of what I know, but I think in the end, what, what I want to do is, is I want to, you know, I want to have a real discussion about it. I'm, I'm not there to try and railroad you or make you look stupid or make your ideas look stupid. I want you to defend your ideas. I want you to be able to articulate Mm -hmm. why you believe what you believe. And there is, there is no doubt going to be disagreement. There is disagreement all over the world, but I think the most important thing is that you be able to articulate it. Uh, and most people cannot. This is what we find is that most people really can't articulate why they believe what they believe. Um, and unfortunately, they believe some really messed up stuff because of that. And, uh, and, and I think that, again, my ultimate goal is, is to spread a, uh, you know, a belief system of greater liberty, of, of greater freedom, of smaller government. And, uh, and because I believe that that creates the most amount of wealth and prosperity and, uh, for anyone. And we're trying to achieve the same thing. We're, we're, you know, if you're making minimum wage, I don't want you making minimum wage. I want you making way more than that. Yeah. The question is, what's the best way to make that happen? And those are the discussions that I want to have about it. Yeah, I think it's important that just people just come into this with an, an open mind um, and just be willing to listen. Um, and it may just be that one episode. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> but but at least but at least they give you a That's shot right. as, as opposed to just coming up with an opinion about who Jason is without even having listened to your show or just because someone told them oh this guy talks about this thing oh, oh in that case I don't want to listen to him yeah you know he's a that that's exactly right and like I said it's uh for me it's it's about sharing I, I believe right now that there's so much wrong you know the Federal Reserve the banking system that we have you know you had a, the ninety nine percenters out there. Who are angry at Wall Street and and rightly so. I mean, if you, when you when you think about it, Wall Street is in bed with the federal government and the Federal Reserve in a way that just creates an absolute imbalance of power that shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is they don't really understand the issue well enough, and so they're they're advocating something that will not improve the situation; will just make it worse. It's one of these. It's one of the. It's like I said, we both want the same thing. We just have radically different ideas about how we achieve that goal. And I, my personal opinion is the reason that people don't agree with me is because they just don't understand the information. They don't understand the facts of the case. Um, and that is a, a rather arrogant perception. But like I said, I, I, I have to believe I'm right. If I'm not, then I shouldn't be saying what I'm saying. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to just have that discussion about the best way to achieve what we all want to achieve. I think um... – you know your passion on the topic uh, cannot be denied, right? <laughs> and, I hope not. And and I think the way in which you've gone about this, the fact you know, obviously you've you've had the benefit of, of um, being able to make the investment in the equipment um, to put together your 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 studio. But I think um, so. People shouldn't discount you because I like, go, oh, oh, Jason's got the money, so he's just saying that because he's got the money to do that, and I don't have it. I mean. We can go probably into a whole discussion as to how you ended up to the point where you're at and that afforded you the luxury of doing this because it's something you're passionate about. But I think the, 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 what's important is that you, you did it in a way where you pursued your passion and 
you're able to take some, take this and move forward with it, and then you have a plan. That, that's what I I think what I respect most: the fact that you, you decided to go at it from a professional manner. It's not like I'm going to turn on my iPhone and I'm going to record and I'm going to tell myself I have a podcast. I think what's what's admirable is that you have a goal. You know, you talk. You know, I asked you what your plan is. You know, and sometimes I talk to people and they're like, "Well, next week I'm going to do some. You know." you know, some additional posts and I've kind of got these three, three guests lined up, but immediately you're like, you know, you're telling me about your two year plan, right? Right. So that means you've given this some thought um, and you know, like where you want to be, you have people you, you know, you admire um, and you talk about Glenn Beck and you have models that you're following so that you're putting some structure ar- ar- around where you want to go. Um, and it's not just willy nilly like, ah, maybe if I'm lucky, like, you know, the show will pick up. Um, you know, there's rhyme and reason around your plan of attack, which is really something I admire. Well, and, and I wouldn't, one of the things I get that a lot is just like, oh yeah, it must be nice. Cause you know, podcast paradise is something that I joined when I realized I wanted to do a podcast. Right. And, uh, John Lee Dumas was, uh, was somebody who was advocating it and he was posting his numbers. So I knew he kind of had an idea of what he was doing. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll buy this guy's course, which is what is common for me when I want to learn how to do something. I find somebody in the industry who's semi-successful at it. And I, uh, and I, I buy their stuff and have them teach me how to do it. So I ended up doing that. And one of the things that I get now is, oh, yeah, well, it must be nice to be you. But I I couldn't do I couldn't add video to what I'm doing because I don't have tens of thousands of dollars. They don't realize that I got into video in um, 2009, just posting videos to YouTube. And I started out doing, you know, face to face video with a webcam. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that that attached that plugged into my laptop and set on top of my computer, you know, one of the old crappy webcams and uh, that didn't even shoot in high definition. That's how I started. And then I bought myself a little three hundred dollar Nikon camera and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world because it was going to or a Canon camera because it was going to totally upgrade my whole thing. Right. And uh, and it grew from there. So you you deal with what you have. And, and you said you know, it's not that talking into your cell phone is unprofessional. If you're, if that's all you got and you're doing it consistently yeah. and you've decided to make it a business, but you need to save your money for three more weeks before you can buy the little microphone plug-in. Uh, well, that's what you do. You start, you move, you act, you pursue, you don't, you don't say, well, I'm going to wait for the world to be perfect. I'm going to wait for the stars to align. No, you, you grab what you've got and you go with it. Uh, you know, you grab that tape deck, you put the tape in there, you hit play and record at the same time and you start talking. And uh, it's amazing what happens when you act rather than wait to act. So Incredible you, things happen. See, you were worried about losing listeners. Now with that whole push play and record thing, we just lost like a whole generation of people. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm, I only know swipe and, you know, Double click, you know, that's all. Yeah, that's right. No. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up. And um, I, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, it's been entertaining. And uh, I, I really was looking forward to the discussion because I um, I like the, the, what you've done with your podcast and the effort you've put into it, how you're handling it and how you're going at it from a, from a professional standpoint. And I, I think there's a ton of takeaways. You know, even if you take out all the political stuff, you know, just what you're doing from your approach to podcasting, your forward-looking plan for how you're going to grow. I think there's stuff that people can listen to and say, well, um, 
I really admire what Jason's doing, and and I'm, I invite them to reach out to you too if they have questions. You know, maybe they might even disagree with you wholeheartedly about y- y- your your topics, but they they agree with you when it comes to marketing and and, and video production and audio production. So I definitely encourage listeners to reach out to you on on, on those topics topics no, as I, well. I was actually having a discussion last night with two podcasters about adding video to what they're doing, and I am like I said, I. I am. I really, truly am a teacher at heart. I, I really like to help and, and like to share what I know. And, and I know what I know and I know what I don't know. So if I don't know about it, I'll just tell you I don't know. But if your listeners want to, if you're looking at what I'm doing, if you, if you absolutely hate everything that I stand for, that's fine. But if you want to learn about what I did, I'm happy to share that with you. More than happy to share that with you and, and your listeners. Um, you can reach out to me. I don't, I, that's not part of my business. I don't, I'd just be happy to share. Yeah. So, uh, where's the best place or to, for folks to get more information about you and the show? Um, you can go to, uh, jasonstapleton.com where you can see the show. Uh, you can email me, uh, right now, jason at the TV. Um, we're in the process of converting over from that old live show to the Jason Stapleton program. So you can reach me at jason at the TV, and that goes directly to me. And, um, or you can, you know, you can call me up on the phone. I'm not going to give you my cell phone number though. I'm not going to put that out there. I'm too many, too many nasty texts just coming in all the time. I watched your show. You, you know what? Yeah. I think there's plenty of, um, uh, avenues for people to, to comment on, on what they feel about what you're doing. So no, yeah. no shortage of that. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I'd love, I, I invite the conversation. So. And I, I, again, I really appreciate you having me on here. It's, re- it's, it's very, very kind of you to, to give me room on your, your very successful show. And, uh, and, and I hope, I hope that your success doubles and triples and quadruples. I'm sure that it will. Yeah. With, 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 uh, with active and engaging guests such as yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Opinionated. Ben, yeah, I always tell people, look, people either should love what you're doing or hate what you're doing. And that way, you know, you've like elicited a reaction from them. I agree. I agree with you. Uh, what other plans you got for the holidays? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm here visiting my in-laws right yeah. now I'm down in a dingy basement um, <laughs> with, and uh, with listening to the phone ring and the, and the kids run across the floor and we'll be back to enjoy food uh, on this weekend with my family. And then I, I'm back to work. I've got, we've got uh, end of the year coming up and I've got uh, a lot of stuff on my plate as we get, we get, you know, our business cycle, we're running into next year. Now we're already mm. talking about January and February and what we're going to be doing there. So we've got a lot of work to do in the, in the next two or three weeks before Christmas hits. But, uh, then, then it's, a uh, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year, man. I don't know how you guys out in California, you don't get it, but we get the snow and we, yeah. I mean, it looks like Christmas around here. I lived in 29 Palms for a, a year and a half or so. And it's, uh, you know, it's hard to get into the the Christmas spirit when it's 80 degrees outside and, and, uh, and sunny. Yeah, but it is weird. I do have to admit that. Yeah. I grew up in New York, so I'm used to white. Yeah, Christmas, okay. There you go. White yeah, Christmases. Yeah. So, well, I wish you and your family the, the best on Thanksgiving and, and the upcoming holidays as well. And thank you once again for coming on the show. Uh, you as well. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh-huh.